Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Samuel chapter 14, and I want to begin reading here, uh, kind of going to a, a story here and breaking in the middle of it, but let's go with uh, chapter 14, verse 24, and the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies." So none of the people tasted any food. Now you've got to keep in mind they were in a battle. And all they of the land kept to a wood, and there was honey, came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people were coming to the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath, wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in the hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were enlightened. Then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. They were weak, in other words. Then said Jonathan, My father hath troubled the land. See, I pray you, how my eyes have been enlightened, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more, if aptly the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemy, which they found for had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. And they smote the Philistines that day from Meshemesh, Mishemesh to Agilon, and the people were very faint. You see the digression says faint, and then we see very faint. And the people flew upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground and the people did eat them with the blood. And of course, this was a sin for Israel to eat it like this. But they were in a place where they had been left with no strength. And uh, they were so hungry that finally when the opportunity presented itself, they could not refrain. And so I, I just want to use this as a thought. And I'm not going to be a long time tonight. But I want to preach for the next few moments upon this subject, honey on the battleground, honey on the battleground. Would you lift up your voice with me and let's pray for the anointing of God to be upon us. Jesus, we need you. We need your anointing. We need your strength, your help, your touch in this place. And I'm praying, God, that you would move upon each and every heart that is here, touch the souls of people that are gathered in this building. I'm praying for your blessing upon your people tonight. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Oh, can we worship the Lord and glorify Him together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Really to fully appreciate and to grasp this story in the scripture, we've got to digress a little bit and go back and get the entirety of the context in which this story is given to us. It begins with Saul who was a backslidden king of Israel whom God had rejected because of his disobedience to the commands of God to slay all of the Amalekites. And because of his presumptuousness, because of his pride, because of his arrogance and his unwillingness to follow through on God's commands, the result was is that God stripped away from him, had taken the anointing away from him. Uh, there is a museum in San Francisco that we visited several years ago that really depicts this. The sculpture had depicted a life-size uh, sculpture of King Saul on his throne at the moment that he realized that the anointing had been taken away from him. And it's uh, the look of anguish that is on his face is something that is etched in my mind. And I can only imagine what it's like to have known the anointing and the power of God and to be used of God and then to have that taken away. Uh, I don't want to live without the anointing and the touch of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to attempt to do something for, for God or uh, in the kingdom of God without the blessing and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In fact, I feel like it's impossible to be successful in trying or attempting to do anything without the anointing of God upon us. We've got to have the anointing, folks. In your daily lives and living for God, you've got to have that anointing. You've got to have the touch of God upon your life to be able to defeat the enemy day by day. And how many believes that God can give you victory day by day? Amen. You don't just win a victory today and it's all over with and you never have to fight again. I wish it was that way, but it's, it's going to be victory upon victory. The Bible says glory upon glory or faith to faith. And uh, so we, we make this journey or walk with God by waking up every day and having the strength that is needed through the anointing of the Holy Ghost to face the obstacles, not only that light present us, but, but also in the spiritual realm that the enemy may use to try to destroy or try to bring us down. How many knows that you do have an adversary? The Bible said we have an adversary, the devil, who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And as you've heard me say before, that scripture does not say that he will devour. It says that he is looking for whom he may devour. In other words, there's a place in God that you can live where he can't get to you. He cannot touch you. If you're living and serving God as you should, you can always be kept you can always endure. You can always overcome whatever test, whatever trial, whatever attack that the enemy brings against you. I'm going to tell you there is no temptation but what is common to man, the Bible says. Sometimes we get to think that our sense, uh, situation is unique and, and it's just indicative to us. And 
Nobody's ever faced what we've faced. Don't ever let the devil convince you of that. There's people that's been right where you are, and they've come out victorious, and you will too if you continue to hang on to God, live for God, serve God, and have faith in God. Can you say praise the Lord? Oh, let's clap our hands to Him right now. So Israel's perennial enemy takes advantage, the Philistines, they take advantage of this opportunity of their being an unanointed king or leader of Israel that doesn't know or have any direction from God. He's confused as to what to do. He's fearful and he's afraid because when you don't have God on your side, you've got reason to be afraid. And so the enemy takes advantage of this. Can I stop right here and preach that if the enemy notices that your prayer life, that your spiritual barometer is not where it needs to be, that if your fervor and strength in God is not what it has been, and he notices weakness in these areas, of course he's going to take advantage. Of course he's going to find the chink in the armor. Of course he's going to attack at that moment. He doesn't attack people that are coming straight from the prayer room all the time. Amen. He's not foolish, uh, but uh, he attacks people that's been staying away from the house of God, that's been staying away from the prayer room, that's distanced themselves from the altar. But you take somebody that's red hot and on fire for God, he, he can't touch them. He can't affect them. He can't change them. He knows better than to try to bring you down. That's why it's so important that you take advantage of opportunities that God gives to you and affords to you in church services just like this to get the strength, uh, to get what you need from God. Somebody said, well, I don't have any problems right now. Well, hold on. You may have some problems, and the Lord gives you what you need at this moment so that you can face tomorrow. How many believes that God is omniscient, that He's all-knowing? How many knows that He can see in the future? Amen. That He knows what tomorrow holds. And He can give us the strength today to be able to make it through whatever we may face then. I'm thankful that God sees ahead of what I can see. Praise the Lord. He has vision that is further off than mine is. And so that's why every service there is a will of God, there is a purpose from God, and there is a work of God that needs to be done every time we come to God's house. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart. We're not here in vain tonight. We're not here just marking time tonight. I I realize that Easter Sunday is a busy day, and after Sunday morning church... uh, Well, there's a lot of things going on, but there's a purpose why we're gathered here again tonight. And this service is no less important than this morning's service. And this service is no less important than the one that you received the Holy Ghost in. What are you trying to say? You need to get filled up again. You need to be renewed and refreshed again in the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Because the enemy is going to take advantage of every opportunity that he can to capitalize on your weakness. And this is what he did in this text. Instead of engaging the enemy like he should have or like he might would have had he been following after God as he should have and and had been sensitive to the Lord and the direction from God as he should have been, 
Uh, instead, he was hiding in a hold. He was really uh, relaxing in the shade of a pomegranate tree, the Bible says in this chapter, and not engaging the enemy at all. And Jonathan, his son, and don't you love young people? I said, don't you love young people? Amen. I, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm a champion of, of young people. I'm thankful for young people that have a desire to live for God and not just go with the currents of the world and not just do whatever uh, is acceptable in this world, but has a desire to serve the Lord. And I thank God for consistent young people. Amen. I thank God for young people that are steady and that have their mind made up and they're committed to God. Amen. They're not up and down. They're not in and out. And, and, a, and a few friends don't, don't cause them to fall by the way just because they go a certain direction. But they have strong enough faith in God and determination to live for the Lord that they stay steady through the difficult, challenging times of life. But thank God for this young man, Jonathan, that, that said, you know, this isn't right. There's an enemy out there that obviously is trying to pick a fight with us. And we are, we are just sitting here in an idle place, not doing anything to engage the enemy and to do what we need to do. We're the people of God. God is always, anytime we've engaged the enemy and been willing to step out in faith, God has always given us the victory. And if you read this, nearly in every occasion, if you read especially during David's time, in every occasion that he was willing to go to the battlefield, God gave him victory over the enemy. Amen. He didn't have to worry. I know the enemy would keep coming back just as it does in our lives. And really when you study out these Philistines, you'll find that there is a lot of parallels here with our flesh that never went away. And you're going to have to fight and keep your flesh under subjection. And you're going to need the help of the Spirit and stay renewed in the Holy Ghost and stay faithful to God. And you're going to have to die daily. You're going to have to pray through. You're going to have to be renewed. All of those things uh, to keep this flesh in the position that it needs to be. This enemy would regroup and come back. The Philistines was always a threat to them. They would always return and try to fight them. But God always gave them the victory when they would willingly go out and fight. That's, that's a key right there. You can't lose your fight in serving God. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here. You can't lose your fight in serving the Lord. If you lose your fight, it's over with. If you lose your desire, it's over with. I've often said that a, as a pastor, we can give you advice. As a pastor, we can encourage you in things. And, and, and we can preach to you. We can do what God asks us to do as far as teaching and preaching in this church. But there's one thing that I absolutely cannot do. I can't give anybody a desire to live for God. I'm going to let that marinate and settle in on some of you because I think sometimes you want me to inject you with a desire to serve God. I cannot do that. I wish I could. Amen. Matter of fact, uh, I, I, would, I would try to get to as many people in this city as I possibly could and put a desire in their heart to serve God. But that's not how it works. You serve God because you choose to serve God. You serve God because you willingly want to serve God. And you have a hunger to serve God. 
and you have a desire to serve God. Amen. And as you desire to serve God, God gives you victories in your life and He blesses you and He gives you the ability to walk with Him day by day. Amen. So you've got you to cultivate that desire. You know, the writer said it this way, stir up the gift that is within you. He said, we, we put hands on you and we prayed for you, Timothy, but you've got to keep this thing stirred up. The, the previous generation, what was in them, it's in you, but you've got to keep it stirred up. I'm going to tell you, Pentecost is going to keep on going. Amen. There's got to be some young people and younger couples and folks in this church that say, you know what? We're not going to let it die. We're going to keep it stirred up. We're going to keep it alive in us we're gonna we're gonna keep on worshiping god we're gonna keep on living for god we're gonna keep on having faith in god we're gonna keep on seeing the miracles of god perform oh yes come on somebody let's give him some praise right now hallelujah praise god and so so jonathan said you know i i know i may not be able to talk everybody into this but I know I have an armor bearer here that will pretty much do what I ask him to do. In fact, he has to do what I ask him to do. But he said, let's go up. Now, you understand they were in a hold. In other words, they had the low ground and the enemy had the high ground, which gave the enemy the ultimate advantage. In fact, in battle situations in that day, whoever had the high ground would probably be the one that would win in the battle. And so, and, and this was a treacherous climb that they had to make. It was sharp rocks. The scripture says that they had to climb up and to climb through. He said, but let's go up. And he said, we'll engage the enemy. And if they entreat us to come on up, he said, we'll take that as a sign. And I like his statement. He said, it just may be that the Lord will work for us. He didn't have any certainties. I'm, I'm going to just tell you something, folks. This life of faith, there is no certainties. All of you that want to do something for God, there is no certainties. You can't plan it all out, A, B, C, D. You, 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 can't, you can't scale it all out just like that. It doesn't happen that way. There, there isn't just uh, you do this and, and this absolutely is going to happen this way and you can all be certain on this that it's never going to have any, any times of wondering where the next step is going to be. It doesn't work like that. But sometimes it's stepping out of a secure boat into the water and not knowing where the next step is going to lead you. Sometimes it's engaging an enemy that outnumbers you. It, it, it's going up. Uh, amen. When it's seems like your resources are down and there's no way possible for you to win in your human strength. But Jonathan said, it just may be that the Lord will work for us. Oh, I feel like preaching right now and telling somebody in the Holy Ghost that you need to stand in faith and make up your mind. It just may be that if I'll do what God has called me to do, that God will honor it. If I'll step out in faith, Come on, you don't hear me tonight. If I'll step out in faith, if I'll make the first step, if I'll accept the challenge, if I'll do what God has called me to do, then God will make a way somehow or another. It just may be that the Lord will work for me. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's all you got is just a maybe. That's all you have is just a maybe. But God's able to give you a miracle if you'll use that faith to step out and do something for the Lord. 
Oh, let's give him some praise right now all across this house. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. That's how faith is released, is by lifting up your voice to God. Come on, somebody lift up your voice to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I, I, like, I like the attitude of Jonathan. Jonathan understood the power of joining forces with someone else that was like-minded. Oh, I could take the rest of my time here tonight and talk about that. But you've got to be careful who you link up with in life. You can have a lot of acquaintances, but those that are really comrades in arms, there's only going to be a few of those. And uh, he joined forces. We see at other times in his life he did this. With David he did this. The Bible said their souls were knit together. I call them friendships of faith. People that, it's kind of like iron sharpening at the iron. Amen. There's some people you get around and they lift your spirit. They encourage you. They inspire you. They, they, they help you to have a desire and, uh, and, and a fervency to do more for God. Just being around them, being in conversation with them. Uh, you leave and you, you feel like, man, I could charge hell with a water pistol right now. You got any friends like that? If you don't have, you need to find some. Amen. And then on the other hand, you could get around some people. It's like, man, good gracious almighty, is anything going right? For the love of God, what's going on with them? Amen. Seems like they are just determined to be down, just determined to be depressed. Again, that's not where strength is. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. And, and let me just say, tell you this. You, you got to sometimes, just like the Apostle Paul, I believe it was, that said, I think myself happy. I think myself happy. I have to do that sometimes. And you will, in your walk with God, also have to do that sometimes. You have to think yourself happy. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to tell us the power of positive thinking? No, I'm not trying to tell you the power of positive thinking. That's not it at all. But I'm going to tell you, I don't, believe it. I don't believe that it's any good to have the power of negative thinking either. To utilize that and to be down and dwell on all the things that are bad all the time. Rehearse them in your mind. Woe is me. Woe is me. Amen. How bad it is for me. I, I've, got, I've got this and I've got that. I'm going to tell you, everybody's got something. Everybody's, everybody in this room has a challenge. I've pastored long enough to know that every person in this place has somewhat of a challenge. Some more than others, but everybody has a challenge. Nobody has a gravy train going here. Nobody, nobody's walking through the park. Not if you're living for God in the 21st century. It's not just a walk in the park. But I'm going to tell you, you can do it. I said you can do it. You can live for God. But you got to get your, your affection set on things above and not on things beneath. Amen. As long as you're focused on things right here and you never set your affections on God and you never get your eyes lifted up towards the hills from which cometh your help and your help cometh from the Lord, then you're going to stay down in these low lands of despondency and despair and wonder why is the blessings passing me by? Well, you can't find blessings down there underneath a the pomegranate tree, Saul. The only way you can find blessing is to get up and engage the enemy. Hallelujah. you got to get up in faith and move in faith. I, I want you to notice that is the theme throughout this story is that God 
allowed things to happen all along the way that needed to happen for them to be victorious all along the way as they engaged the enemy, as they were on the battlefield. The honey that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, it wasn't found down there underneath the pomegranate tree. It wasn't found in the hole. It wasn't found down there in the valley. It wasn't found down there licking their wounds and feeling sorry for themselves. That wasn't where the blessing came from. But when they engaged the enemy, he said, now I'm going to bless you. Now I'm going to work for you. Now I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you, if you get in the fight and you give the devil a run for his money, I promise you God will give you all that you need to defeat him and to come out victorious. Hallelujah. Oh, that ought to make somebody want to shout a little bit. That ought to make somebody want to lift their voice and worship God a little bit. Praise God. That's right. Praise the Lord. And and so they went up. And and there's two things that I I find in this story. And then I'm I'm going to quit. Famous last words. When they went up and engaged the enemy, something happened. I don't know. (laughs) This is in between the lines. I just kind of feel like when he got up there and they did exactly what his, I guess, fleece was that they were to do. They invited him to come on up. I just think that gave him a boldness. All right. I know God's with us now because it's happened just like I said it was going to happen. Just like I intended for it to happen. God's given us the sign that he's going to be with us. If they invite us to come up and to do battle with them, we know God's with us now. And I just feel like he got a little bit cocky. Knowing that God was on his side. I don't know if that's a good way to say it. Because it sounds too much like pride. But I believe you can be confident in the Holy Ghost. And just because you're confident doesn't mean you're cocky or you're arrogant or you're prideful. Amen. Now, I realize some people have a problem distinguishing the two, but, but, but just because you've got confidence doesn't mean that you're arrogant or cocky. It means that you have confidence that God is helping you and God is with you. And so, I, I, just, I don't know, I just kind of feel like he got to calling out maybe to the enemy, saying to him, you know, uh, or to them. There was a, many of them. There's only two. I mean, it had to be ridiculous sounding from these two fellas. I mean, and, and, uh, and they're going out against uh, these Philistines that way outnumbered them. And, 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 and when they engaged them and, and they came up there to do battle with them, I, I think those Philistines was laughing. But I don't believe Jonathan was laughing. I believe, he was, I believe he was having a heyday because he knew that God was with him. Did anybody ever tell you you look funny? That your mama dresses you weird? Anybody ever tell you it's ugly? I don't like Philistines. I believe he was having fun with it because he had faith that God was going to do something for him. Hallelujah. And so when they did engage the enemy on this little parcel of ground that would be about the size, it said it was about a half acre, would that be about the size of this lot where this church is on? About a half acre of ground. And, uh, and, and they got to fighting in that battle. The Bible says when they engaged the enemy, something supernatural happened. There became a, a shaking, an earthquake that took place. You know, I find another instance in the New Testament where people were worshiping God underneath bad circumstances, challenging circumstances, and God gave an earthquake. 
he, he caused the ground to quake and the prison doors to open and these two men that were prisoners to be able to walk out free and he took these two men that was willing to step out in faith and engage the enemy and not back up and not accept things as they were and he gave them the victory they slew 20 men and the enemy began to melt away the Bible said they said these guys are tougher than we thought them to be hallelujah I'm going to tell you God is able to give you what you need at the start of the battle and he's able to give you the strength if God called you to do it you can begin with confidence you could start with confidence you could step out with confidence that God is going to be with me that's right Amen. I, I see. I see new converts. Man, isn't it so exciting to see God bless new converts and give them that faith and and, and vitality that they need and excitement that they need. But uh, man, they they just have a array about them. They believe God is able to do anything that they read in the Word of God uh, about Him doing. They believe that God is able to do anything that they hear preached from the Word of Word of the Lord and the preaching that goes forth and the teaching that goes forth. They just absorb it. Amen. And I don't think we ought to ever get skeptical and lose that and become scrutinizers and become so analytical that we become paralyzed in it all. I believe with all of my heart we ought to always be hungry for God and believe God at His Word and stand in faith and have the confidence that whatever He began, He started this good work in me and He's able to bring it and follow through to completeness in my life. What did the Bible say? It said that He is the author. Everybody say author. Say it real loud. Author. And... Say it real loud. Finisher of my faith. That's the two bookends. The author and the finisher. The beginning and the end. Sometimes we have trouble in that middle. But I'm going to help you with that tonight. Because Trump hadn't sounded yet. We hadn't heard the shout of an archangel. None of us has gone home. Amen. Afraid some's only going to see the bottom of the shoes. <laughs> you get that in a little while. <laughs> Praise God. You got to live in this bunch up every once in a while. I mean, you just got to do something. Cattle prod, something. Amen. Keep them, keep them on edge. Keep them listening. But. But God gives us things in the midst of the battle. They're fighting. And, and Saul, who, he's out of it, man. I mean, this guy's out of it. You talk about insensitive to what's going on. He hears about this battle goes on. And he hears that it's his son, Jonathan, that's in it. And suddenly, he said, all right, I'm going to call a fast. He gets spiritual all of a sudden. Isn't that amazing? Where have where you been? You should have been fasting three or four days ago, man, finding out what direction to go. Where have you been, Saul? And all of a sudden, he's called a fast, and, they, and then sends all. It's easy to send people out into battle, you know, and they're all hungry, and they're weak, and they're having to spend energy, and they have no strength in their body to fight the battle. And he said, nobody's going to eat until this evening. And uh, he said, until I be avenged of my enemy. He makes this crazy edict that nobody is able 
to take sustenance. And, and so, but Jonathan's armor bearer, man, they're still out there slaying the enemy and doing, doing good in the fight. They didn't hear this crazy command that was made. And they come upon this field. Now, you understand that the promised land, the scripture says, flowed with milk and honey. That didn't mean literally flowed with rivers of, of milk and, and ponds and reservoirs of honey. Whatever image that you had in your mind, it was just saying that it was a fruitful land. But this does fit that in that day, uh, I'm sure bees were not caged as they are. I don't know if caged is a good word, but are not in, in, in hives and beekeepers and all that kind of thing. They were more wild. And so it was probably not uncommon in, in, in a land that was as lush as that area. For there to be wild honeycombs and bees, and, and, and they walked into this area, and, and there's honey that is dripping down on the ground, and the honeycombs, and, uh, and uh, they're hungry, they've been fighting, they've been engaged in the battle. I mean, it was without thought. The natural thing to do was to dip his staff in that honey and take it to his mouth and receive strength from it. And, you know, in that time, honey, honey was like Red Bull in ancient days. I can walk by those things and my heart starts going, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> walk by them in the, in the grocery store and the Easy Mart and, man, them things will stop a pacemaker on a dime. But the crazy thing is, is naturally, honey does have properties in it that offer you energy and strength. And, and this was something that was needed at this time. And there couldn't have been an ingredient, natural ingredient could be given that was any more sustaining than this. And it was right there when they needed it. And they were able to take it up and partake of it. And then there was these People that had heard what Saul had said, and they started pointing their fingers and saying, no, 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 no. You can't get a blessing right now. You're in a battle. Well, when do you need a blessing anymore than when you're in a battle? When do you need church anymore but when you're in a conflict? Come on, you need to change your mentality about that. The devil's tried to tell you, you need to stay away from church. You're in a, you're in a battle. You need to stay away from the house of God. You're in a conflict. you got a trial going on. you got every right in the world to be down on yourself. you got troubles right now. You, you don't have to worship. You don't have to praise God. You don't have to go to the prayer room. You don't have to pray. You don't have to seek the face of the Lord. You don't need to fast. You don't need to commit. Take you a spiritual vacation. I'm going to tell you, that's the worst thing that you could do. The best thing that you could do is pray. Take of the honey that God has provided for you when you get to the house of God. Amen. And, and so, and so he said, you know, my daddy, he's out of it, man. That's basically what he said. He said he's backslid. He's troubling Israel. He's not what he used to be. He's not anointed as he used to be. He said, look. And there were some things that distinctly happened for Jonathan when he did this. That he was able to tell them. He said, first of all, my eyes were enlightened. I was losing my vision. 
I'm going to tell you, when, when people start drifting away from God and getting weak in the Lord, they start losing their vision. And what I mean by that is their focus on their future in God. It becomes more about survival. And it becomes more about getting caught up in things and looking at things and focused on things that don't matter and does in eternity are not going to amount to a hill of beans. That's a fact, folks. There's a lot of things that are not going to matter one moment into eternity. They're not going to be a big deal to you. And we get so fixated upon them in this life. We get so trained upon them and so focused upon them and so determined uh, that nothing's going to keep me from doing this. Bless God, this is my goal. If I got a backslide to do it. Well, that's stupid. Kids, plug ears. That's dumb. And I'm just going to say it. That's ignorant for you to think that. Amen. You need to wake up and shake yourself. You need to realize, hey, there's more important things than just what happens in this life and down here. There's more important things. Matter of fact, this life is just preparation for the life to come that is eternal and that is going to last forever. And whatever time we spend down here, that is going to be a blink of the eye when it comes to eternity. I said that's going to be a blink of the eye. You need to shake yourself. I'm going to tell you just like I told you beginning of this man. I can't give you a desire to live for God. you got to stir up that gift for yourself. But if you're not praying like you used to pray, bless God, you need to stir something up. If you're not worshiping like you used to worship, you need to stir something up. If you're not attending church like you used to attend church, you need to stir something up. You're not drawing closer to God. You're drifting further away from God. You're not getting higher hotter you're getting colder and when the trumpet sounds if you're not careful you're going to be lost if you don't keep it stirred up but there's availability in this house for somebody to get some honey for somebody to get some blessing for somebody to get some strength somebody to get some renewing somebody to get some refreshing there's enough holy ghost here there's enough power here there's enough glory here there's enough anointing here for you to get what you need To finish what you started. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Lift up our voices to the Lord and give Him praise right now. In fact, I I don't know how to say it. Just to be plain about it. But I'm tired of this humbug attitude. I don't know how else to describe it. Spiritual scrooges. Always looking for excuses of why you can't live for God. I'm going to tell you there's a people that's rising up in this generation that want to live for God. And they're going to take your place. You better be careful that they don't take your crown. Hallelujah. Praise God. I said you better be careful. Scoot over. They're coming. Praise the Lord. And they'll take your place. And you better be careful that they don't take your crown someday. Hallelujah. Praise God, because God is going to have a church. I've said it over and over again. There's one thing that is predestined, and that is the church of the living God. You're not predestined, but the church is predestined. And if you want to be in the church, you can be in the church. You can be a part of the church by staying prayed through and on fire for God. 
Amen. And being fervent for the Lord, he gave him the strength that he needed. At that moment, at the very beginning, there was an earthquake. And then in the battle, he gave him what he needed to finish the fight. God's not going to leave us in the middle somewhere to flounder. I don't read that he's coming back for an anemic church. He's coming back for a bruised, beat up, scarred up, barely making it church. He calls it a glorious church. A triumphant church. A strong church. A banner-raising church. A church that is stronger when he comes back. Hallelujah. Not weaker when he comes back. Hallelujah. That's not what he's coming back for. If you're not where you need to be, you can't be because God, service after service, time after time, he places honey and it's available. Don't let something talk you out of it. Don't let the spirit of Saul was a backslider. Don't let the spirit if I could say it like this, of the backslider, get a hold of you and say, no, you don't have to taste of that. You don't have to be all of that. You don't have to be a fanatic. You don't have to. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, you, you started worshiping. You better stay worshiping. You started praying. You better stay praying. You, you started a tongue talker. You better end a tongue talker. You started shouting. You better stay shouting. You started in the blessings of God. Uh, come on. I'll just say it like this. You started in the fire. No sense in you trying to survive in the smoke. Uh, friend, you need to get back to the altar and get the honey it's on the battleground don't leave the battlefield stay in the fight god's got what you need